Have you ever had a moment where you're just like, I have had a day. You've been taking care of the kids and getting them where they need to be. You're handling all the things at your job and juggling the things. And then your spouse gives you a simple ask like, honey, can you get us some more chicken the next time you're at the store? And something in your brain just snaps. It's like, no matter how much I do, there will always be more. I am never, ever enough. If that resonates with you, then I've got a treat for you. For the first time ever, I am excited to welcome on a guest to the podcast. My guest today is the amazing Becky Sporer, wife, mom, teacher, author, doer of all the things. As she described herself to me once, she said, I am just an ordinary woman that God has done extraordinary things with. In this episode, we talk about how putting everyone else's needs in front of our own actually leads to emptiness and potentially waking, how so often we end up standing on the sidelines of our own life, how putting yourself as a priority is actually selfless, and of course, some tactical strategies to take baby steps towards how to stop looking outside yourself to find your worth and validation and begin to allow yourself to live a life of abundance and greatness. I cannot wait for you to meet Becky, and I know you're going to love this conversation. Without further ado, let's get to it. Do you ever feel like you know all the diet rules about eat this, but not that, and so you know what to do, but you just have a hard time actually doing it? I'm here to tell you, you are not the problem. Hi, I'm Lizzie. Welcome to the Confident Body Podcast, where we talk about all the mental and emotional parts of weight loss that diets don't tell you. It's time to step past the shame and the guilt from old diets and stop feeling like you're waiting to lose weight in order to fully participate in life. If you're ready to drop the diet mindset and learn what it takes to truly feel happy and confident in your own skin, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Confident Body Podcast. I am super, super excited about this episode today because this is my first ever guest on the the podcast, and I am delighted and honored to bring my friend, Becky Spore. Becky, hello. Hello. So excited. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here today. Um, so Becky and I met through the Todd Durkin God Size Dreams program. And for you listening, if you've never heard of Todd Durkin, he is just a fantastic human um, who is invested in empowering people from all walks of life to uh, you know make the most impact in the world. And I am blessed to be able to collaborate with him on some of his projects and the God Size Dreams coaching program. It's a 12-week program that helps people who know they have a gift inside of them. There's more potential, more, more kind of to give in this world, but maybe not exactly sure how. And so that program helps you kind of tap into um, how to you know be your biggest and your most special in the world. And so I got to meet Becky through that program. And um, I remember the first time we met and it just, I, I instantly was like, this woman knows herself. She has that inner light and inner strength. And was like, I really want to be her friend. I hope she likes me. <laughs> That's so sweet. I thought the same thing about you. <laughs> Look, you're just always so cheerful. I love that. Ah, thank you. Well, um, a funny uh, anecdote as well is that we, we had our in-person retreat was in Whitefish, Montana. And we, um, with another friend, went uh, on a snow hike one day and Becky had on her very impressive galoshes because she also works a farm and I just had on my regular boots. And so she's like, here, I'll carry you across the stream. And I was like, folks, I am not a small person. She's like, no problem. She's very strong. And so she piggybacked me completely across the stream. It was very impressive. I don't want your shoes to get wet. We had a full day of travel. (laughs) It's true. 
Yeah, it was very comfortable all day. So anyway, Becky, um, tell us a little bit um, about you. So through the God Size Spring program, I got a chance to read your book that is coming out, Take Ownership. And it is an amazing story, amazing journey. We're definitely going to get into it. But I want you to take us back to how did this all begin? How did you come to a place where you were unsatisfied, feeling kind of in a dark, lonely place and like, I got to, I got to change something. I got to fix something. And where you went from there. Well, you know, Lizzie, I think as a mom, right, I'm a mom to two kids. And then I became a a stepmom or a Phyllis is what they call me to two more kids. And I got remarried to an amazing man. And we're standing in our kitchen one day and, you know, life, I think you don't even realize what you don't know until you all of a sudden it like bubbles out of you and you're like, oh my goodness gracious, like there's so much more going on mm-hmm. underneath the surface than you realize. And so I'm standing at next to the dining room table and my husband simply says, hey babe, you think you could buy some more chicken <laughs> at the dining room table, right? Like simple, super easy request. And it like triggered something in me that bubbled up all these feelings of no matter how many home cooked meals I made, no matter how fantastic I was at helping and doing for everybody, no matter how much I chauffeured, there was never enough. It was never enough for somebody always needed something more from me. And it sent me into this really this like chicken, right? Like we're talking about chicken sent me into this place where I was like, so defeated. Like I just felt like every day was never going to get any better. And I was just totally defeated. And it really, at the end of the day, it had nothing to do with chicken, right? (laughs) Nothing. The chicken was just, it was just like the straw that broke the proverbial camel's back. right? Right. Right. And I've just been on this and all of a sudden I was like, this can, this is, there's more to life than just being frustrated because you're, you feel unappreciated and you feel overwhelmed and you feel totally like life is just sucking it out of you. Life just keeps happening to you. And I was like, this, this cannot be all that there is. Like, I know that this is not all that life is going to be for me. Um, and I, was took a deep dive. And when I mean a deep dive, I mean a deep self dive, you went back, you know, the expectations you grow up with in childhood, the expectations you carry about yourself, the expectations of your family. And I just brought all that to the table. um, Took my therapist because I needed help. Like, so I reached out, I needed help. I got an amazing therapist and we started hammering through some stuff and it really boiled down to I had to refine my identity, refine my value and my worth. I had to re take ownership of my life because I had just given it with the best of intentions to everybody else. And then it, In the end, it was making me as well as everybody else in my family miserable because I was always unhappy because I, my value and my worth was based on that attic girl. Yeah. Instead of of internally. Yeah. 
And I love how you said you realized that you had to take ownership of your life, which of course is the title of your book. And um, one of the things I think I want us to get into a little bit is how you kind of flipped from being the last priority, the last thing you took care of to putting yourself at the top of the priority list. But before we get there, I think that, you know, obviously this podcast is about weight loss. And when I, you know, when we spoke and when I read your book, I was like, oh my God, we're so in line. Um, but in your mind, what, what does it do to us? Because so many of us do, do exactly that. I'm going to, I, I'm the mom. I take care of all the things. I'm juggling all the balls. If someone's hurt, I take care of it. Someone needs to go somewhere. I'm, I'm the chauffeur. When we do that, how does that impact our self-esteem? And ultimately, how have you, if at all, seen it impact people's weight? Well, I can even speak about in my own my own weight journey, right? Um, but I think weight is just a byproduct of the of the internal piece. We when we don't find ourselves worthy or valuable to say you deserve to be taken care of so you can fill up your cup. I think when we don't do that, then we just don't take care of ourselves. So we don't, we don't prioritize any time for self healthy self care. And what happens is, is then we become stressed. We become busy for the sake of staying busy. We become um, these women who morph into whatever is needed for us in that moment. And it, and all in the hopes that somebody is going to say, hey, you're doing a great job. So we feel good. Right. But when we when we take ownership of that and when we start using ourselves and saying or using our ability to say, like, I'm valuable, I have worth uh, and I, I deserve to have time for myself, then we can fill ourselves up with all the good things. So then we can give it to our kids and to our families and to our communities. When we don't do that, everybody is stressed and chaotic. And I feel like that so applies to even weight loss, right? Like we talked about that. Um, when I started, because I wasn't taking proper care of myself, you're eating whatever you can on the run. You're drinking whatever you can drink to, to keep get enough energy to keep going. You are always going for the sake of somebody else. And so you're never, you're not proper, properly giving yourself the right fuel. You're not going for a, even just a simple walk to give yourself some sort of movement to make your, yourself feel good. And it, it is impactful in, a fan, in your family when you do not do those things in a negative way. But it can be so positively impactful to your family when you take the time to do those, to do yeah. those. Yeah, I loved how you said earlier, you know, all the things that you were doing, and so many of us do, because it completely resonates with me as well, was for that at a girl for that, you know, that external validation. And I think that so many of us look outside of ourselves for our worth, for our enoughness. So like every morning, the, the, score sheet starts at zero and I've got to work to do and do and do and do so that I can earn my enough, earn my worthiness. And then that's like filling a bucket with a hole in the bottom of it. And, you know, there's never enough external validation. And so we get to the end of the day and we're like, I feel lousy 
And so I know this food will help because I just want to break. I just want to feel good. I don't care about the consequences. I just need the sugar. Yep. Yeah. And that's, I mean, and I think that's exactly what happened. So I think when we don't take care of ourselves and we, we don't, when we're keeping score, right. You talked about that score sheet and like, I can remember like the alarm going off and like dread just washing over me. Mm. Dread that it was another day. Dread that like I was behind still from the day before. Just dread of oh, here we go again. You know, like, and that is so hard on us because then we're just we're just chasing. It's like a hamster wheel, right? Like we're right. just running as hard as we can run, but we're not making any movements into anything, and we become so conditioned that that is just normal that really sometimes it takes a jolt like chicken to realize <laughs> that this is not normal like you don't have to live like this there is there's got to be a better way to live than to than to chase that at a girl all day every day yeah. and that's really what what I work on and that's it is a practice, right? Like it is a daily practice. You know, I tell all the women that I visit with, like, it's not a light switch. Like you didn't don't you don't just wake up one day and be like, it's fixed. I'm better. (laughs) Like you have to practice it every day. Yeah, so much. I mean, I keep a, a note card in my pocket every day and it's different every day. But it's like, I know that left to my own devices, my brain is going to find all the things that are wrong with me. And so I need to take charge and figure out what I want to think on purpose. And I put that note in my pocket to remind myself because like brains need supervision. Um, (laughs) There's a part in your book um, that really resonated with me. You talked about um, how like sometimes we're in the picture, but we're not in, not actually like in the picture. Um, And I wonder if you could describe that. And then I'd love to kind of share how I've seen that show up for women in weight loss. Sure. So I, I feel like when I was struggling so much and working so hard at trying to figure out how to find my own worth and my own value in myself as a person through Christ. And one of the things that I realized that I did was like, I was a, I was a part of the family. So like my family would all be sitting at the dining room table, like playing cards or eating or hanging out. And I was always like, in the kitchen, which is separated by a counter. So I was like there, right? Like they weren't doing life without me, but I wasn't doing life with them. Mm-hmm. I was always just on that fringe. And I look back now and it, it was, I was like insulating myself because I was, I was just unsure of what I was bringing to the table was going to be enough in those moments. You know, that I, I I was afraid that if I if I actually got to the table, was it going to what if it didn't live up to the at a girl that I needed that night or that day? And then everybody that I feel worse than I felt if I just stayed in the kitchen. Right. <laughs> so and I feel like that is such a place where women we live that like we're in the car driving our kids, but we're not really engaged with the kids or we're 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 in it but we're not we're not living in that moment yeah 
Yeah. And that resonated with me because one of the examples you used in the book was a, a photograph, a picture, and um, something that has been said to me a number of times by women who want to lose weight is they say either I'm always the one behind the camera, I'm taking the picture, or like if I have to be in the picture, I'm standing behind somebody. And it's because they don't they don't like the way they look. But then, I mean, it was said to me so eloquently by one person. She was like, my sons are going to grow up and have no pictures of me. I mean, one day their, their grandkids, my grandkids are not going to know what I looked like because I refuse to take a picture. And it's almost like I'm, I'm here, but I'm not here. And it just seems like such a, a metaphor for sometimes how we show up in our own lives. I think we're always, when we struggle to know our value and our worth in Christ, we struggle to bring that then to any, any piece of our life. And we're, we're hiding behind what we hope people see. We hope people see the beautiful family and the great house and the beautiful flowers. That's what we want them to see. We don't want them to necessarily, because that's, that's where we put our time and our energy. We don't want them to, to look at us and say like, oh, because the fear of never measuring up, right? The fear of somebody looking at a photograph. And if you feel like you're overweight, somebody saying like, oh, you're overweight is, is enough to keep you from doing any of that. Right. But when you know who you are in Christ and you, you know your value and you know your worth, and you have ownership of that, then it is, it's easier to say, this is, this is who I am. And I am a part of this family and my value and my worth and my identity is not tied up into what I look like physically. Mm. It is tied up in my own heart and in my relationship with Christ. Therefore, you no longer need that Atta girl. You no longer need that validation because you're bringing your best self to the picture or to the party or to the dining room table, regardless of what else is going on. And that's something that is so, it's so beautiful. And it's so, it was so freeing to me when I could learn that I didn't have to put the pressure on my family to give me the data girl or my boss or my friends or anybody. I like brought it myself. I was bringing my own at a girl and it, it changes then, you know, I no longer am not only wanting to take the picture. I'm like the selfie picture with my kids. I want, I want my kids to have that. I want to them to have great memories of us sitting at the dining room table or being in family pictures. I don't just want, because I want to be, I want to be able to remember those memories too. Right. Yeah. In fact, um, there was a quote you had, I loved many of your quotes, but one of them, you said, if we never find our value in the one who created us and knitted us together, then we will forever be searching for our identity and value in other people and circumstances. And I mean, that's, that so resonates because it, I mean, it just feels like a lot of times we're, we're looking, like we said, to check the boxes during the day to fill up that hole in our hearts that whispers, I am, I'm not enough. And so what what were the steps? What did you do? How did you go about finding your value and validation inside instead of always looking outside? One of the things that I did, um, and I'm going to, I'm going to go back to the chicken story and I'm going to, I'm going to kind of tie it all together for us. Um, my therapist, while I was sitting in therapy, talking about this, 
chicken. And <laughs> it always just makes, even what you know, I mean, I've told the story a thousand times and I still laugh every time I'm like, chicken, whose life turns around because of chicken? Mine, my life is, God can use anything, people. God can use anything. I'm just saying. <laughs> so chicken, but I'm sitting in this, in my therapist's office and she is like, I'm going to ask you to do something and you're not going to want to do it. But I, I, the deal was I would just do it. And I think for me, the first step that I took was writing a lament. And it seems kind of like a weird first step, I think, when you start talking about taking ownership of things of your life. But for me, there was so much anger and so much hurt and so much bitterness and so many expectations and so much pressure that I had to get rid of that before we could build back something better before God could, we had to soften my heart before I could change anything. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a farmer's daughter and a farmer's wife. And that's, it's just like when you plant a crop, right? You have to make the ground soft. You have to, before you plant your garden, you have to make the ground soft and fertile so it can accept the seeds and the water. And we had to do that with my heart. So my first step is I would always suggest is to write a lament, which is just to wail your frustration, your anger, your bitterness, your your hurts, your pain. Write it out. Just literally word vomit everything onto paper and just give it to God. Just you've got to get rid of it. It has to come out. And if you do it towards God. He's the only one big enough to take it all. He's the only one whose feelings aren't going to be hurt at the end of it. And it gives you then an opportunity to start to rebuild back better habits, better identity, better self-worth, better ownership of your life. And so the first step I always encourage everybody is to write a lament, like really, and I talk about it in my book, the steps and kind of guide you through that. But really, that's the first big step that I that I would say you need to do. But then you get to do all these little steps, right? Like, because I think that's, that's the beauty of, of growth. That's the beauty of ownership is it's little bitty pieces at a time. You don't have to overhaul your whole life in one day. You look at yourself through the lens of self-love, through the lens of how God sees his masterpiece. And then you start making changes that reinforce that masterpiece. For me, it was getting up earlier, five minutes. I would get up five minutes and just sit in the silence before the chaos of the day happened. Five minutes. It seems so weird because when we talk about habits, we always think of these big, grandioso things that everybody's going to notice. But that five minutes was amazing. And then we moved, I moved from five minutes to 10 minutes. And then I started reading my Bible every day, just being intentional with those first few minutes of every day really helped change my outlook on how my day was going to go. I no longer woke up and thought, oh, I'm already behind. Right. 
instead I could wake up and be like, this is going to be a great day. Yeah. And I want to talk about how you spoke to yourself in those five minutes, but it so resonates with me with just those tiny, tiny changes that, um, you know, that's one of the things I talk about in my book and, and weight loss is that the, the key to sustainable change is making small changes that you can see yourself doing over time that like, can I commit to waking up five minutes early, five years from now? Okay. Yeah. That's, that's small enough that I could probably still do it. If you're like, I'm going to get up an hour early and work out every day. No, like that's way too big of a commitment. So only make commitments that you, that you know, are small enough that you could keep doing. You could see yourself still doing it five years from now. And Love it. Make you feel good. Yeah. That is the other thing. Sometimes we look at habits and we want them to be big. And then we use them as another battering ram on ourselves. Like, you know, instead of just saying like, it feels good to get up five minutes early and have some peace and quiet in the morning, feel good about that. And then it's when it feels good and it's done out of self-love, then the chance of it going on for a long time and being sustainable is so much greater than, than, than like you said, than that. I'm not doing enough creation of a habit mm. that becomes counterproductive. Yes, completely. Um, I want to perhaps, you know, get into the mind of what somebody might be thinking and like, okay, this sounds great, but there's part of me that feels a little selfish that like, if I put me first, if I say, no, I'm not going to the store to get the chicken, you know, for whatever it is, that's, that feels kind of selfish. And so I'd love for you to talk to us about how putting yourself first, how making yourself a priority, or I should say the priority, um, is actually selfless. Talk to us about that. So this is um, in a, I have a chapter of my book called The Priority Lens. And when we think of putting ourselves on the top of the priority list, I'm going to back up just one step, if that's okay. I think as women, we have a tendency to operate in huge pendulum swings. We go from completely like self-giving, say yes, haul the kids, make the dinner, do the thing, 110% all in mom. Then what happens? We get tired. We get burnt out. We feel unappreciated. And then we take that same pendulum and we swing it all the way to the other side. And we're like, I'm just thinking about me. I'm going to spend the grocery budget on new shoes. And I'm going to not make any dinner. And you're eating hot dogs for a month. And you know, like we do, we go out, we do all these things that are really like empty self-care, right? But we need to feel better. So that's that add a girl feel better because nobody else can do that for us. So we swing over here. So when we start talking about a priority lens and putting ourselves on top of the priority lens or the priority, I think what happens is we automatically gravitate toward that self narcissism. Like, Oh my gosh, you are the, a selfish mom. But what I am looking at is that middle ground, that middle ground of, you can only have one priority at a time. And if I am at the top of that priority and I say, this is how I'm going to fill my cup every day. This is how I'm going to fill myself as a first priority every day. Then I am able to take that 
priority from myself and take ownership of the fact that I'm not going to blame the kids for not being able to get out the door in time. I'm not going to blame my husband because he doesn't make breakfast. I'm not going to blame my boss because they're sending emails before I am even at work or the text messages going off because the priority in those moments is me is filling my cup. So then when, when the priority shifts to my family, to what comes next, I am full. I have stuff to give. I have resources to give out of. And I'm not blaming anybody because now I have tools to give them, resources to give them. And so by putting myself at the top, it actually makes me selfless because I show up better for everybody else instead of becoming bitter and angry because I'm showing up for everybody else. I get to show up with a heart of joy and love instead of bitterness and anger. Yeah. And so it's, it's a, such a wild concept, but it is beautiful when it, when we do it, and it really makes a huge, huge difference in how you function as a mama or as a wife, but also how your family functions, because we're able then to, to fill ourselves and then be able to slosh onto them. Yeah. I think the mindset shift can be from, you know, I'm doing these things X, Y, Z for me so that I can show up better for them. Mm-hmm. And instead of it's me or them, it's me and them. Well, and we can, I think in this world, we get so, we're women, you know, like we run around with our superhero capes, like we're complete, like we can have so many priorities and we can be everything for everybody, but it's not true, right? Like we can only have one priority at a time. And right. if not, you just have a lot of chaos going on. So if we're the priority, when we get filled and we're able to give to our families, then we can shift that priority to what comes next. What needs to be the next priority, which then keeps that chaos minimized and they're getting their needs served by somebody who is happy and joyful and full of gratitude instead of doing the same task, but doing it out of a well that's completely empty and completely dry. So it's so important to to make yourself the top of the priority list. That way you can serve your family with a joyful heart and you can serve your, be a better employee or be a better boss or a better community member. You can do all those things out of love, not out of bitterness and anger. Right. I was wondering, what's your take on, what do we model to our children in either case? Like in the, in the case where it's like, I am the martyr, I'm doing everything for you. And, you know, I, I put myself last versus the other way of putting myself as the priority. What do you, what are you, what's your opinion on how we're modeling and teaching our children? Well, for me, Lizzie, it was my, my daughters, they drive me to work on myself. <laughs> and I mean that in such a good way. I have one daughter whose goal is to be an Air Force pilot of a C-130 and to have her black belt in karate. Big dreams, big dreams. And I love that for her. But how do I, as her mama, 
say you chase after your dreams and you do all those things, but I have not modeled that for her. I have simply modeled conformity to what society thought I should be doing, what I thought the pressures of life that I should be doing. We're not, we can't model that for them. I want my daughter to grow up and all my kids, but my girls, I look at them and I want them to chase big dreams. Mm -hmm. I want them to do big things. And if I don't model that for them, how do they, how do they know? How do they know it's okay to be a wife and a mama and still, still have dreams that light your soul on fire? That you are, your life doesn't have to be an either or, it can be an all. And I need, I needed to model that for them. You know, that was so important to me. And it still is so important to me. I look at my girls and it literally like will drive me to my core to continue to say, Wives and mamas, like we can own our lives and have our own identities and have our own values and have our own worth in Christ and still show up 110% for our families. We can do it both. Mm-hmm. And I think that for me is, is really what, what drives us when we, you know, you, when you have kids, right. And you're, you go to their school play or their sporting event, you're watching who your kid. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. You see them all, right? You're like, oh, they're all so cute, but really, you know, like you're watching yours. Absolutely. So for me, it became like think about that in reverse. My kids are seeing life, and I'm the star. I'm who they're seeing. I'm who they're watching. Everybody else has a little bit of influence, but just like we only really watch our kid, they're only really watching us. And are we giving them an example when they grow up to live their life that we can be like, yes, they're doing it. They're doing the thing. They're chasing their dreams. They know who they are. They know their identity. They know their value. They know their worth. And they're doing amazing things. And they're not waiting for the world to give them that a girl. Yeah. And that's really important to me. I think um, a little bit of nuance that I would, at least this is, I'm speaking from, for myself here in terms of like, I would never want to advocate like you can do it all mom. Like you can be the perfect mom and, and go, you know, fly the planes or write the books or whatever. It's more like, it's about owning your all in yourself first and then choosing what does that, that all quote unquote mean to you. And so what I'm modeling to my daughter is I, I, when she was little, like I chose not to go to school and like be the parent, the team, the, you know, the, the classroom parent part of me that felt like I was not being a great mom because I wasn't showing up like all the other moms were, but I also was showing her, I have, I am, I am important to me too. And I have things that matter to me. You matter to me and I matter to me. So it was less about like, you know, super mom, go do everything. It was more like figure out what is your value and fill your own cup. Right. Well, and I think that's the problem, right? So this is, I think, and I talk about this in my book, the pressure and the expectation women feel to be it all, to have it all, to be the Pinterest mom, the perfect kids, 
the great house, the manicure yard, the perfect body. The, it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous the amount of pressure we feel as women to be everything for everybody. That's it's not it's not even something that's a, a it's not attainable, right? right. Like it, it's an unrealistic expectation that we live in and social media I feel like just makes it worse because then it's like comparative media you know you're not doing it all but everybody else looks like they're doing it all <laughs> right and so we just like lump it onto us and I think that's the beauty of it right when you know your own identity when you know your value when you know your worth and you have ownership over your life you also have ownership over your choices. Amen. And then you cannot, so you can't blame anybody for any of your choices. You own those choices and you're able then to feel good about the choices you are making. Whatever that is, yeah. whether that is a stay-at-home mom who is rocking it with homemade cookies or a mom that chooses to work outside the home because that's where her passion and her love comes from. Equally, those are choices and you get to own those and you get to rock that lifestyle. Yeah. And it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. So let's get tactical. I really want to hear about your how I want to feel list. So you talk about in the book that in the, in the quiet time in the morning, you began to think about how do I want to feel today? And was something that you would, well, actually, I wanted to ask, was that something that you would write, write down or just think about in your mind? Like, Tell me about that because I think that proactive thought is just so crucial. I was like, oh my God, I love this. Tell me more. So uh, my sister, actually, when I got divorced, I don't know, six or eight years ago, it was hard, right? Like it was a very big change in my kids and I's life. And I wanted my kids, I'm probably going to get emotional, but I wanted my kids to know who they were, that the core, who they were was not changing. And so my sister and I designed this sign. Um, and the sign says, in Christ, I am. And then there is a list of things. Brave, courageous, cherished, loved, protected, valued. And then at the bottom, it says, in Christ, I am God's masterpiece. And when I was struggling so much, knowing whose I was and what I am changed so much. So at first it was simply reading that sign out loud with my cup of coffee. It, that's really how it started. But then it started to morph into, I am loved. I am cherished. Regardless of how I felt, that was fact. And when we operate in those facts, then we have an ability then to start growing that confidence, right? Because really that's what we're needing. We're needing confidence for somebody to say, oh, that's who I am, right? I'm not what everybody says I am or thinks I am. This is who I am. And so that became part of my morning intentionality. And so it started with just saying it, reading the sign and reading it out loud. But what it's morphed into is in the mornings, I, I have a list. I am in Christ. I am. And I write those words down. 
And if I'm going through a season that's hard for something, I write down in Christ, I am an overcomer in this area. And it, it gives you, it gives you that courage and that faith to know that you are these things. You are already, it's not hoping you're going to be that. It is that I am brave or I am peaceful. It's, it's a statement. It's not a hope. It's not a wish. It's a definitive statement of who you are. Yeah. And I would think I would, I would add to that. The brain science behind that too, is we have the reticular activating system in our brains, which is basically our brain's filter. And so we tell our brain what's important by what we focus on. And so when you're telling yourself, I am brave, I am confident, whatever the word is, there are certainly going to be part of you that's like, I don't feel so much like that today. Like, I don't feel very brave. And that's okay. What you can do then is go look for that tiny little breadcrumb of evidence of like, when was I brave? You know, it was brave of me to choose to get up for five minutes early today. Like that was choosing myself. That was my moment of bravery today. Even if I do nothing else, there's a moment where I am brave is true. Or, you know, and so you can look for those pieces of evidence to prove it true to yourself, even when it doesn't always feel completely true. Again, like it's where you direct your brain on purpose. But I love that you start your day with intentionality. Well, I, I feel like you're exactly right. And when we when we tell ourselves what we are, it's easier than I feel like throughout the day than to also be like, I am brave. I am brave enough to do this next thing. Right. Yeah. Like, and then give yourself credit for the little bit of bravery you showed and <laughs> whatever area that is. Right. Like, we're like, you don't have to wrestle a grizzly bear to be brave. <laughs> you know? I think like we always have like they have to be these big things, but they don't. If you were brave enough to eat the salmon for lunch and you really wanted the hamburger, then give yourself like, girl, you are brave. Yes. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Yes. Well, and one of the things that I think is so, at least the, one of the things that I have found most challenging about weight loss and, and kind of things in general is being brave enough to feel your feelings. Like that's a part, that's a huge reason why we have trouble is because our feelings feel so big and so scary and hard that like, I just want to put them in a little box and wrap them up with chocolate. And I'm just going to put a chocolate covering coating around them. So I don't have to deal with what's on the inside. And being brave enough to allow yourself to feel your feeling for one minute is an act of bravery. It is an act of courage. And that is worth giving yourself. I, I hesitate to say that at a girl, but like validating yourself and finding that worthiness and that enoughness on the inside. Yeah. Gi yeah. Giving yourself that at a girl instead of looking for somebody else, giving it to yourself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I encourage when we're talking about habits uh, is I encourage women to how do you want to feel, right? Like at the end of the day, when you put your head on that pillow, what do you want to feel? I feel like sometimes we're so good at knowing what we don't want that we, but we don't necessarily always know what we want. So if you, when, when I talk about this practice of coming up with, how do you want to feel at the end yeah. of the day, yeah. at the end of the week, at the end of the year? More often than not, the how you want to feel will match up with your in Christ I am list. 
because they'll dovetail together. And when they dovetail together, then you know, you already have peace or calmness or bravery. It's already in you. You've already done it. You just need to remember that you've done it and then celebrate. Let your brain, the brain science behind it, right? Let your brain experience the joy of of completing that task. So your brain is like, oh yeah, look at me. Then it's easier to, your brain becomes more adept at looking for those positives at giving those, those positive moments to yourself instead of just the negative ones. Because right. your brain is capable of that. Oh, just yeah. like, I mean, we know that, right? We know it's capable of the negative. So we also know that the, the other side of that coin is true, that it's capable of the positive. And we build onto those pieces of, of being able to say, I want to feel peaceful and I'm going to make choices and decisions in itty bitty teeny tiny steps that move me in that direction. Amen. So much. Itty bitty tiny steps. Okay. Um, this is a quote that's from the book that I just absolutely loved. Um, you said, we are not meant to just survive this life. We are not meant to just be a supporting role. We were made by God for a life of abundance. He has called you in to greatness. And one of the things that I think resonates a lot with folks that I talk to that we as women often feel like we're waiting to participate in life until after we lose weight. And yet there's this, this sense of there's like something more inside this, like an untapped potential. Maybe there's gifts and strengths that are laying dormant as, you know, we wait for the kids to get older or, you know, we dream for that someday I'll go do that thing. So what advice would you have for someone who feels that tug of, I've got something more, but I'm waiting. She, she feels that call um, that she wants to do more than just survive this life, but, and maybe she'd like to dare to step into that touch of greatness, but she doesn't know how, what advice would you share? Oh, lean into it. Like lean into it. And when I say that, give that dream, give that flicker of fire room to grow and just don't, don't automatically attack it with, with, like, with any sort of anything. Just give it room to grow. Give it room to, to settle and to, to gain some momentum. And just to know that, that that's so, so important that you're called to greatness, that you're called, God, God calls you to do great things that he does not, you know, he says that I've come to give you this abundant life and he met moms and he met wives too, right? There's not a caveat in there for, <laughs> for us. And it's, it's so important that we live that. And I can remember when, when this all first started to grow and God and I were, were working on this and this was right before I had applied for the God Science dream program. And I was like, God's like, I want you to write a book about your story. And I was like, okay, like, I don't know anything about writing a book. I don't know anything about doing any of this. And if you would have told me a year ago that this is what I would be doing, I'd have been like, okay, whatever. No, you know, like <laughs> working so hard, but that was not my plan. But it's when we get, I just gave it thought. I did not like attack it with like, I can't do it or I don't know how to do it. I don't know anything about it. 
I was like, okay, I'm going to write a book one day. That's going to be great. And then the, the domino pieces that God brought into my life were unbelievable. And you like can't even imagine how beautifully God lines things up for us when we allow him, when that happens. And we, we allow him to, mm, yeah. it comes because we gave, I gave space to it. I gave space to say I was worthy of having a dream. I was worthy of living a life of greatness. I was worthy of being able to do more with my life and just gave it space. I you just I think for uh, for women that's such an important thing is that we just give that some space and not not attack it with everything of reason why it's not okay or not good. Just give it some space and and let it grow organically so that it can manifest into greatness because the greatness is already in you. It's already there. We just have to let it shine and let it come to fruition. This is resonating with me so much. And I was, I find myself getting feeling a little emotional too, because I had the idea to write my book. I felt not the idea the call really like God tapping me on the shoulder in 2013. And I, I had all those negative, I, I did not let it grow. I was like, nope, nobody wants to listen to me. This is too hard. And it was very much, it was all about me and my imposter syndrome and not enoughness. And it took me seven plus years to get to a place where I could allow, I really love the word allow, like allowing God to, to remind me that like, it's not about, excuse me, it's not about what other people say. It's about your enoughness is, is here no matter what. And you have a voice and you are supposed to speak it. And the more I could get out of the way and let God speak through me, the the easier it became. And so to you listening, if you have something on your heart that you want to do, you want to say, you want to write, you want to sing, whatever it is, like there are other people on the other side of your dream who are waiting for you to step up and shine, who are waiting for you to stop saying, who am I to, or to stop waiting until you lose weight to do whatever the thing there are, your dreams are for you, but they're for the others in this world as well. And you were given your gifts for a reason. And so allow them, allow yourself to step aside so that, you know, your divinity can shine forth. Yes. Yes. I love that. You know, one of the, my favorite things that I like to say is, your enough doesn't have to be enough for anybody else. Right. It just has to be enough for you. And I think that we get we get so hung up in in feeling like it's not what I have is not enough. But it is. Mm-hmm. It is it is beyond enough. It is it is more than enough to make an impact into somebody's life. And that is that's the beauty of it. We all, nobody wants to talk about their heart. And I talk about that in the book. Nobody wants to share their heart. Nobody a lot of times wants to talk about the struggle. They want to, they either want to talk about just how to fix it or they want to just live in it. But the beauty of it is, is you can have it and let God grow you through it. So then you can share it for other people. There it's again, it's not an and or it's a it's a collective. Right. We all have hard, and that's 
a, it's beauty because our, our, my story wouldn't be birthed if it wasn't birthed from the heart. Mm-hmm. You know? And so when it's, when it's birthed out of the heart and you, you can help and you can take what you have learned and collectively, right? Like that's how I got here was a collective amount of people who had done the thing and had been there and I gleaned from them and God grew me into this, into molding me into who I am today. Who's going to be different than who I'm going to be in a year and five years from now, right? But it's enough. It's enough. The heart is beautiful. The process is beautiful. And that's that's what's great about it is we don't have to get stuck in that it's hard or think that there's going to be a finish line to it. It's always going to be a process. It's always going to be a process. The potter is always going to keep molding his clay into a more beautiful masterpiece. And as we share that with other people, you encourage them that they don't have to stay stuck where they're at, that there is steps and growth that can occur. And that's, you can't give anybody a more beautiful gift than that. Yeah. Mm, so good. Thank you. Becky, is there anything else you want to add um, before we wrap up? This has been amazing. Oh, I'm so excited. I had a great time. Thanks for having me. The book will come out. Um, it's going to be out soon. And so it's called Take Ownership. Ladies, find your identity, value, and worth, and finally own your life. And I promise you will laugh. You will cry. <laughs> you will jump up and down and be like, yes. Too. <laughs> she's right i've read it cover to cover she's totally right <laughs> and, so, and then you can find me um on facebook and instagram at mrs becky spore uh-huh. for both of them and you have and a great then, youtube channel going on now as well great youtube channel um so it's at youtube at mrs becky spore and then i have a website that has also houses all of my YouTubes and it's um, www.mrsbeckyspore.co. So, and it's got a bunch of information on there as well. So, come hang out with us. We're just a community of women, like killing it, having fun, and talking all things wife and mom, and you know, just encouraging each other. Just a place to. And it's real. Each other. It's there is it is all real. It yeah. is. Is is all real life? That's what we're living. <laughs> there's, there's no Pinterest on this on on here. <laughs> well, we don't Pinterest mothers, and if you guys, if you listen to any of my deals, you'll you'll hear me talk about that. Like, bless those mamas who are. I love you. Yes. Yeah. Well, I am not you. <laughs> like, <laughs> that right? Like, that's the beauty of it. I think when you get to the other side, right? Like, you can do real life, and you can enjoy who you are, and you can celebrate who others are. And hundred percent. Everybody can shine. And that's what our community is about. Just letting all women shine. Oh, Becky. So thank you so much. This has been uh, just a delight and a joy. Thank you for being on my podcast and everyone, please go check out her book, take ownership and um, we will see you next time. Thank you. Thanks Lindsay. Wow. Such a good conversation. I'm so appreciative to Becky for joining me today. I hope that you got a lot out of that conversation. Here are some quick takeaways. One, taking ownership of your life is not selfish. It's a necessity. Two, when you're trying to work on putting yourself at the top of your priority list, flip your thinking from it's either me or them 
to it's me and them. I'm choosing to do XYZ for me so that I can show up for them. And number three, we are not meant to just survive this life. We were made for a life of abundance and we have been called into greatness. So awesome. All right, so let's talk about our one tiny confident body action step for this week. Ready? So your little tiny action step is create a how I want to feel list for yourself. So how I want to feel, create this list for yourself. Get clear. What is it that you want to feel? Rested, valued, appreciated, strong, forgiven, enough. How do you want to feel? Get clear, identify it, make a list. Then look for ways that you can create that feeling for yourself. You don't have to go looking anywhere else than right where you are. How can you value yourself? How can you appreciate yourself? How can you feel strong for yourself? How can you feel enough for yourself? Look for little ways to live into that feeling you want to choose for yourself today. That feeling is available to you. You can choose it. And remember, love yourself because you are a masterpiece, a piece of the master. Give that light inside you a little space, a little air to breathe because your gifts are meant to be shared. There is someone on the other side of your dreams waiting for you to shine your light exactly the way you were made. Lean in and allow yourself to be completely, imperfectly, gorgeously you today. Thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate you 1 million thousand percent. I'm sending you the biggest hugs. And that is what I've got for you today. I will see you next time. Thanks so much for listening today. If you're feeling like maybe you're ready to take what you're learning here on the podcast to the next level, then let's work together. Everyone has a unique story and unique challenges, and there is no one size fits all program that works for everyone. We can co-create the goals and accountability that work specifically for you so that you can feel free of all the mind chatter around your body and start feeling confident in your skin. And most importantly, stop waiting to participate in life until after you lose weight. Listen, you were created for a reason. God does not make mistakes. You have something special and unique that only you can bring to the world. If you'd like to explore what that might look like for you, please go to my website and schedule a free call at (laughs) confidentbody.coach. Or if you're an introvert like me and you just like us to get to know each other a little bit, then send me an email at lizzie at confidentbody.coach. Remember, the world needs what only you can bring. So don't wait. We're counting on you. You are a miracle. So shine your light today.